0: Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's Time Traveler is John Van Trieste and the Destination the 1920s. During the 1920s, Taiwan's intellectuals came together. Their goal? To bring new ideas, knowledge, and values into Taiwan and diffuse them into Taiwan society. Together, they led what's become known as the Taiwan New Cultural Movement, employing art, education, and entertainment in an effort to bring Taiwan into a new era. Though the Pacific War brought the movement to an end, the new culture of the 1920s and those who strove to spread it are still remembered in today's Taiwan. After years of preparation, a new museum devoted to the movement, the Taiwan New Cultural Movement Memorial Hall, Open this month in the same part of Taipei where it all started. Over the next two weeks, Museum Head Xu Meihui will be walking us through the story of the movement. she will tell us about its founders, its ideals, and its methods, and about the new exhibits meant to introduce the movement to new generations. In the 1920s, Taiwan had been a Japanese colony for around 30 years. At this point, a certain class of people began to think about issues of freedom and equality, issues of suffrage and freedom of assembly, and issues like economic exploitation. Though colonization was a fact of life, they wanted autonomy for Taiwan, and they chafed at policies like restrictions requiring Taiwan's sugarcane farmers to sell at a fixed price, and only to certain companies with official ties. But these intellectuals believed that promoting a new kind of culture and doing what they thought of as improving society would be a good first step towards dealing with Taiwan's problems. (laughs) Behind this new culture movement was a whole cast of characters. But among them, two leaders stand out. Here Ms. Xu introduces them both. One figure was Dr. Jiang Weishui. Jiang opened a hospital of his own, not far from where the museum sits today, in the old Taipei district of Dadaocheng, the place where the culture movement took off. He was a leading figure in the Taiwanese Cultural Association, the organization that drove the culture movement. Another figure, Lin Qian Tang, was the scion of one of Taiwan's great families. Lin held a leadership position in the Taiwanese Cultural Association, and beyond this, he backed the new culture movement's projects by dipping into his extensive financial resources. While the culture movement's leaders were largely drawn from the educated classes, well-off intellectuals like Jiang and Lin, the impact of the movement reached beyond class boundaries. People of more modest means also joined up with the culture movement and its later offshoots as well. After all, the culture movement aimed to reform Taiwan society as a whole and not just one part of it. When we hear the words, new culture, all sorts of ideas might come to mind. But what exactly was new culture to those behind the new culture movement? And when it came down to it, how did they go about spreading this new culture? Ms. Xu says one contrast between what these people thought of as old and new can be seen in literature. Taiwan's ethnic Chinese population had always done most of its writing in a formal classical style, prestigious, elegant, and ancient, but removed from everyday speech. In literary writing, ancient precedents and models remained the norm. The New Culture Movement sought to replace this with colloquial writing that anyone could understand. It also wanted to move away from the traditional subject matter and write on new topics, topics having to do with people's everyday lives, The contrast between old and new showed up in the world of theater,
1: too.
0: In the 1920s, traditional opera was still big in Taiwan. But Ms. Xu says the plays still presented a worldview with old social hierarchies in place. Ms. Xu says they showed a patriarchal world with an emperor still on top. New theater, as some envisioned it in the 1920s, would subvert the old order, stressing freedom in everything, from matters of the heart and romance to personal political views. The goal of this new culture, this new literature and theater, would be to communicate with the people and urge it in a new direction. In addition to publishing and putting on plays, the new culture movement also brought in film, staging public screenings of movies. The films would have been imports, many from across the Taiwan Strait. But while not made in Taiwan, they were still considered useful for advancing the movement's goals. There would be new music and new visual art as well. But for the movement's leaders, the meaning of culture wasn't restricted to the arts. This was an era when education in Taiwan was limited, and access to information not widespread. Culture also meant knowledge, learning, and an awareness of the wider world. The Cultural Association also organized public lectures, which might include the arts, but which Ms. Xu says might also have extended to science, medicine, and world affairs. Even without much formal schooling, the masses could still learn about it all. To top it off, the culture movement started its own newspaper, through which contributors could reach large swathes of Taiwan all at once, spreading their ideas. Ms. Xu says a map in the museum plots out where the movement's lectures and events took place. It shows the movement's reach extended across large parts of Taiwan, reaching the urban centers and towns across Taiwan's western half, where most of the population is concentrated. Though the capital in Taipei was an important center of new culture, the movement attracted many supporters from other parts of Taiwan, and these supporters put on local events, allowing the movement's messages to sink in in different regions. From Taipei in the north, to Taichung in the middle, to Tainan and Kaohsiung in the south, everyday people heard the lectures and saw the plays and movies. Eventually, other groups split away from the Taiwanese Cultural Association, branching off but spreading the same ideas and pushing for the same goals. We've already said that the movement's leaders thought of culture as a first step to remedying bigger problems. What was the end game then? Was the movement really purely cultural, or did it have political aims too? <laughs> Ms. Xu says that while the movement remained focused on culture, it was tinged with ideas of democracy, freedom, and home rule for Taiwan. It may not be surprising to hear that some leaders of the movement were active in other, more explicitly political pursuits. These leaders founded Taiwan's first political party, One cherished goal of many leaders was to get the colonial authorities to grant Taiwan its own assembly. Members wanted Taiwan to govern its own affairs and for Taiwan's people to have a say in them. Bringing culture to the masses, though, was seen as a different means towards the same sort of ends. Taiwan society, these intellectuals thought, would need to be brought into the 1920s. We've seen how the culture movement spread across Taiwan, but as we've already hinted, The museum's location in Taipei's old Dadaocheng district is no coincidence. So what was so important about the place, and why is the museum there? How did the public react to this new culture and its messengers? What about the Japanese authorities? Why did the movement come to an end, and how successful was it? Finally, what's the story behind the New Culture Museum itself? Join me again next week when Ms. Hsu returns for the second part of our look back on Taiwan's new cultural movement. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey Through Time.
1: Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Bye bye. Bye bye.